0: Hello and welcome to the Behind the Box Score podcast. I'm your host, Mac Mori. So I had this whole speech written up about how I'm a sports fanatic and how this is my passion and all those things are true. But really, let's just get to brass tacks here, folks. I love sports. You guys love sports. That's why you guys are here. And we're going to get into it. We're going to break down a bunch of stuff. I mean, SEC football, college in general. We're going to focus mainly here, though, on the professional gridiron, the NFL, which we are back. It happened. Week one happened, guys. We're finally back. No more preseason. No more, oh, I think this, I think this. Uh, It's just here now. We can actually just watch and see what is going to happen. And so we're going to get into our preseason takes, our hot takes, all that stuff, because I know we missed the boat on that. But for now, I'm Mac Mori, and this is the Behind the Box Score podcast. I'm really excited to have you guys here. I'm going to be joined by a bunch of different people throughout the duration of this podcast. But for episode one, I am super pumped to welcome my friend, old, longtime colleague, Alex Comas. He is a pro, a beast, and I'm excited to talk some sports with him. I'm a huge Kansas City Chiefs fan, born and raised in Kansas City, bleed red and gold. And his team also took an L, and it may have been a worse one. He's a New York Giants fan. Hello, Alex, and welcome to the podcast.
1: <laughs> well, Mac I was about to compliment you on a hell of an intro for episode one and then you just had to throw that dagger in to talk about how much worse the Giants loss was compared to the Chiefs like there was just no need for that like I like the the the, the goose egg put in the box score for us was just enough there was no need to go into detail on that so you know i I was going to say I'm so glad to be working with you again, but now I'm I'm ticked off. I'm ready
0: I'm ready to dive into it and and I'm ticked off at you from the start. It took less than 2 minutes for for Alex and I to just be head to head. I just had to stick that dagger in real quick. Um so yeah guys, we're going to we're going to just kind of kind of walk through week 1 and go through all the big storylines and then at the end we're going to go through our posts or our preseason. excuse me, just takes who's in the division who's going to win divisions who's in the playoffs and even some Super Bowl takes first off though let's just start with the big news we're recording this on Tuesday September 12th so obviously this is following the Monday night football catastrophe that it was for the New York Jets it's rare that you walk out with a win as a fan of a team and go tonight sucked and that's exactly what happened for the New York Jets first off terribly sorry for them I mean so much hype HBO show hard knocks Follows them all off season. We get attached to these players, these storylines, these guys, and one of them is one that we've seen in the headlines for years, and Aaron Rodgers. But we kind of rekindled that sort of connection with him, of like, I like Aaron. He's he's back in shape. He's on a new team. He's helping out these young guys. He runs out with the American flag, and it is hype. People are screaming, and it feels like old school football is here, and Aaron Rodgers is ready for it with the New York Jets. And we're a couple plays in, and his Achilles pops, and his season's over. I mean, it got confirmed today. He will not be taking the field in this year and, and maybe ever again, Alex. And it's devastating.
1: Uh, I mean, it's it's we're so hyped to see him go to the Jets. Because, I mean, look, we all love watching Aaron Rodgers in the green and gold. But at the end of the day, to see him come to one of these big markets, because sometimes – especially in the NFL, with these superstars in the league, we don't get to see them in those huge markets. Um, And for him to come to a franchise like the Jets that have been plagued of success for so long, haven't had a Super Bowl appearance since the days of Joe Namath, Mm. and to have one of quarterback greats of the last generation come to your city, to your team, and try to break that curse. And, you know, before the game, Mac, I saw him with a sit-down interview with John McEnroe. Uh, done by ESPN in which, you know, John McEnroe said, you know, what's the expectation for this team going into this year? And Aaron Rodgers said, let's not shy away from it. You know, we're we're going for a Super Bowl. We're we're going through this whole season. The whole goal is to get to a Super Bowl and win it. And he said, we're going to speak it into existence. And for those type of expectations for this team and, and for Rodgers going into the season, And for that all to just falter three plays into your opening game, I mean, it it just, it takes your heart out. And and I think we saw it too with the, how that team reacted, especially in that first half. I mean, they were just lethargic in the first half because they just saw their guy and and you see it on Hard Knocks, all the young guys looking up to Rodgers and being, wow, this guy's amazing. And to see him go down like that, I think it it was really a, it set them back in that first half, but then they came out at halftime and especially in overtime and said, let's go win this one for them. And Hey, I mean, they, uh, they got the job done at the end of the day, which is good for them, but it's going to be a long season for them to have to go through the Zach Wilson, you know, ebbs and flows in which they had to go through it last year and, they, were, they got Rodgers to stay away from that, and now they're right back into it.
0: Yeah, they're right back where they were, and they don't even have Mike White, who was actually more formidable than Zach Wilson last season, and they gridded their way to seven wins. But before we get to the whole QB carousel that's about to go on for the New York Jets, first off, let's just make this clear, Alex. This has to stop. I mean, the NFL has taken seriously concussions and the ongoing research that's going into CTE, head hits, helmet hits, they've been taken extremely seriously and this now needs to be treated the same. Um, I mean, you brought it up in our, our prep on the dock. They're planning on switching to natural grass fields for all the stadiums that are going to host the World Cup. If they can do that for those professional athletes, I don't know why they can't do it for the ones that play in their sport, the ones that suffer career-altering injuries every year. And And like you said, now it happened to a... First ballot, Hall of Famer, headline hogger, ticket, box office selling, ticket master, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, this is this is a huge deal for the NFL, and if this can't get them to get their act together, I don't know what will. I mean, this is just a simple Google search here. According to data collected from 2012 to 2018 by the Players Union, players have a 28% higher rate of non-contact lower extremity injuries when playing Aren't artificial turf? I feel like that's pretty cut and dry, man.
1: Yep. I mean, it's it's how much more research really needs to go into it to for them to make that decision. Yep. And I mean, for for soccer to be so against turf, and you know, because we're hosting this big event in the U.S. and them being okay for all the stadiums that that are going to host, we're going to go to that. Why why isn't the same standard held for the National Football League, where the guys are putting their bodies on the line every Sunday? and even more so than in soccer even more physical contact and you know I remember just two years ago when when at that same stadium at MetLife Raheem Mostert and Nick Bosa both tore the ACLs in the same game and nothing was done about it yep so for all the stances that Aaron Rodgers hangs his hat on you know this this is one that should go right up his alley and I think too this is you know like we said, first ballot Hall of Famer, Aaron Rodgers is a big voice in the league. He's not one to shy away from making waves. You know, hopefully as he's coming back next year and he gets the NFL to bolt to action on this in the off season to get these stadiums to all natural gas going forward, because the turf, we, we t- you know, we saw uh, orthopedics talk about it the last day um, just in national news with turf. Guys' cleats are more prone to get stuck in that surface compared to natural grass. In a natural grass surface, could Aaron Rodgers have still ruptured his Achilles? 100%. Absolutely. But in turf, those cleats are more prone to get stuck in the surface compared to natural grass where they could slide out, and it saves them an Achilles. It saves them an ACL. It it saves them a, a broken ankle for whatever it may be. And look, there's still going to be injuries in football, no matter the surface. But at the end of the day, turf, I think it's agreed through all sports is not beneficial. The only benefit it holds is for the grounds crew staff in terms of the upkeep of it. That's the only benefit. It doesn't hold any benefit for the athletes.
0: Yeah. And the owners subsequently because it's cheaper and missed me with that. Miss me with billionaire owners uh, cutting costs on their fields. Screw that. Absolutely not this, if anything needs to be, have money spent on it, it's these sort of facilities that your players are going to be playing on that you, that they're relying on to stay healthy. And if you can't give them the best possible facilities and equipment and everything that we take so seriously, then I really don't know what we're doing in the national football league. And like you said, many players have sounded off. And I didn't even think about that, Alex, you're talking about a vocal player in Aaron Rodgers you're right. I'm, I'm really curious to hear his thoughts on this. And I know, I know they're going to be negative. I know he's going to be asking for all natural grass, but I'm, I'm curious. I mean, when he, when he joins Pat McAfee or, or whatever his next appearance is, he's, he's going to have a lot to say. That's very interesting. And, and, and another little, little tidbit in there that you just said, as you said, when he comes back for next year, and I know we're not going to get into this all right now, but so you think he's coming back? I think he's
1: coming back. Okay. Like, I I just think, especially, you know, watching, again, that pregame interview that he had with McEnroe and just seeing him through hard knocks. Like, we all thought at the end of last season, oh, this is it. He's retiring. Like, with the way he walked off with Randall Cobb, we thought this guy's got no motivation left. But I think with him going to New York, he had a renewed sense of purpose. And I think him being such, so ingratiated within, the Jets community, I mean, those fans were dying for him to come and he finally came and the expectations were through the roof throughout the fan base and in that building. And I think from his brief time there so far, I I think he's really felt that. And I think, you know, at this point, he's like, hell, you know, they can't take super I've got a Super Bowl down. You know, I've got all these statistics to back me up in terms of I'm going to be a Hall of Famer. Why the hell not should I go up and try to rehab this and go bring the Jets to Super Bowl? Because at this point, the Jets, the, the Jets would welcome him back. Like it's not like yeah. they're gonna be kicking oh, yeah. him out the door like the Packers were. So for him, I, I see why not. I, I feel like Aaron Rodgers is that type of guy that'll be, you know what, screw the expectations because everyone would think at this age, with that injury, he's not coming back. Aaron Rodgers thinks he's one of a kind. He he thinks he can walk on water. And hell, we've seen him do it a few times as well. <laughs> so I, I just don't see him going out like this. I I, I don't think he, he'd take that way out of it and, and end his career like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I can kind of see where, I mean, what's to lose? What's to lose for Rodgers? Like you said, he's already a first ballot Hall of Famer. New York Jets respect the hell out of him. I mean, you were talking about how kind of like it, people already felt what was happening. Dude, I felt it from the screen. I mean, he comes out with that, you, unite, you know, American flag and, and everyone's, I mean, I felt the just the hype in MetLife for those few mere seconds. Uh, I'm,
1: Mac, this is coming from me as a Giants fan, where yeah. the Jets could be a four-win team, and I, I'll, I'll enjoy the hell out of it. <laughs> of course. Because I'll be like, great. The Giants will at least be better than that, surely. And for me, I, I mean, I was hyped. Because this is, it's been a long time since the Jets and Giants have been good concurrently. And that was the expectation going into this year was both teams were going to make playoff pushes and they were going to it was going to be a high level of football in New York for both teams. And it hasn't been that way in a long time. And so for me, I, I, I bought into it like as much as I hate the Jets and they're up there with the with the Eagles and the Cowboys and the Patriots that I hate. I had to respect the hell out of it because he's he's one of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen. Especially of our generation. So I, I wanted to see how it transpired through success or failure.
0: Yeah, before Patrick Levon Mahomes the second graced the football field in the National Football <laughs> League, I didn't have a, a more favorite player to watch. It was Aaron Rodgers. So I I, I totally know what you're saying. Okay, we, we we gotta get going. Uh we've got a lot of things to do here. Um, including talking about your travesty that was the New York football Giants. But we've got, I've got a while till that. So S- Save them for last. Mac. <laughs> we, that, okay. That's where they are. They're, they're in last right now. <laughs> okay, let's let's start this. Um, who are the Jets' best options as a QB replacement? I think that's the big topic of today all over. Everyone's on Twitter, you know, just, oh, what about this guy? What about this guy? And, and this is, as sad as it is, a fun conversation to have. Now, Robert Sala, head coach of the New York Jets, said, quote, I wanna make it very clear, Zach is our quarterback. We have a lot of faith in Zach. We're rolling with Zach, and we're excited for him. LOL. <laughs> yeah, no. That's trash. That's 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 not that's not the case. There's no way.
1: The 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 look on his face <laughs> when Zach Wilson came in there after the injury just told you everything you needed to know <laughs> yes yes everything you needed to know. There, there's no chance he believes that he's got to talk up Zach Wilson Zach Wilson lost all confidence last year he's got to say that
0: yeah absolutely and, and he has to say that and the thing that I kind of took from that quote is I want to make a very quote Zach is our quarterback uh, that's a true statement he's a quarterback on the New York Jets we have a lot of faith in Zach and it's not really there's not really any metric for me to say that so sure I guess I have to believe you And we're rolling with Zach, and excited for him. Well, you are—you do have to roll with him for now. So I guess those are all true statements. But let's be honest here, Sala. You, you, uh, and I, and everyone, and their mother knows that Zach Wilson can't bring you to the playoffs, let alone a divisional, let alone an AFC Championship game, let alone your high hopes of a Super Bowl. Which, to me, I'm going to be upfront and clear here, Alex. I think that's the goal. No tanking. No, hey, let's let's go get another young quarterback and have him compete with with. Wilson and and win some games, and just maybe compete no, this is a Super Bowl roster with a top five defense with weapons with money invested in the offensive line, and a coach in Sala who I'm still not completely sure on, but I know has the moxie and the desire to bring them there with the fans that are ready for this moment. it's been twelve years since they've made the playoffs. That needs to be at least the goal, and frankly, I think the Super Bowl still needs to be on the table. so let's look at these quarterbacks here, Alex, and real quick. I just have to do it. I put it in bold. A lot of exclamation points on our doc. Tom Brady? TV12, Alex? Is there a chance? Am I crazy?
1: I I, I saw it on Twitter, and the first (laughs) thing I thought of is just all the years of Jets fans absolutely hating how Tom Brady torched them, just tortured them throughout his whole entire career, and I thought, you know what? That would be a hell of a, to- a, a storyline for the great Tom Brady to come back out of retirement for a second time and bring that success to the Jets. But I just don't think it's going to happen. I, 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 think he's, I think he's done. I, I think with everything going on in his personal life and the way it unfolded last year, and I just think the way that his days ended with the Bucs, I, I think he's done, Mac. I think they've got to look for other options, more viable options.
0: That's fair. I want it selfishly. I just want it. It, it. it would just be so much fun. And the Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers rivalry—they'd technically like be on the same team. Tom Brady could go win a ring, and Aaron Rodgers would be like, "Yeah, I won a ring," but Tom Brady won it again. Tom Brady somehow still gaining the spotlight above Aaron Rodgers. I mean, there'd just be so many glorious, glorious storylines with it. But you're right. I'm, I'm probably a little in over my head here. That's not going to happen. Okay, let's go to some more realistic options. I've wrote a lot down here and, and I'll just kind of breeze through some here, Alex. And if you you hear one where you just go, that's the winner ding ding ding, let me know. I've got a couple in here. First off, I think Andy Dalton would be great. You can call me crazy. I think Andy Dalton is exactly what they need. They don't need anything crazy here, man. They just need a guy who can go in there, sit under center and point and shoot. He doesn't need to make a whole he doesn't need to make a whole lot of plays. What he needs to do is not make the mistakes. And that's what a guy like Zach Wilson is prone to doing. He's prone to running outside the pocket. He's going to throw across his body. He's going to wait till the last second to try and make a play. He's going to throw the ball directly to middle linebacker Matt Milano when he hasn't moved an inch. That's what Zach Wilson's going to do. So I, I don't think that's the quarterback that they need to go after as far as style is concerned. Andy Dalton is the antithesis of that. I think along with that. So, first off, Dalton, what do you think?
1: I I like the Dalton idea. Okay. But, you know, first thing you think of is how much value do the Panthers hold to him, right? Because they brought yep. him in this offseason. They said, oh, it's a quarterback competition, right? Mm-hmm. BS quarterback competition. Of course. But at the end of the day, they, they brought him in because they wanted him there to be in the building to mentor Bryce Young. And while I think. Andy Dalton's not going to get a sniff of playing time this year for the Panthers. I, I feel like they, they think his experience in the building along with Bryce to help Bryce as he transitions through in his first year, I, I feel like they're not going to say, Hey, yeah, we're going to give up Andy Dalton to go help the jets and possibly, you know, hurt Bryce in the process. So I think for them, unless the jets blow him away with some sort of trade offer, I, I don't think they're going to get rid of Andy Dalton. I don't think the jets are, gonna give up valuable assets to go get andy dalton
0: i think that's fair i think it's gonna take at least something of value for the panthers and i don't know you're right i don't know if andy dalton moves the needle like that that's 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 fair okay joe flacco similar similar vein of qb here no he was just with the jets and no and he's done and no okay fine that's fine that's fine he's won a super bowl he's won a super bowl Joe Joe Flacco last year, his
1: attitude was just poor. Like, he just didn't care anymore. He just didn't have it anymore. It's fair. And and I think, too, with the the way the Jets... I think the Jets were done with the Joe Flacco experience as well. I mean, they were very much okay with going with Mike White and Zach Wilson because they just felt like Flacco's attitude around the building because he he kind of prodded around like he should be starting over those two knuckleheads. But at the end of the day... I I just think Joe Flacco's he's he's done unfortunately so.
0: Okay, let's go over to Philip Rivers, Matt Ryan. These are Matt Ryan's technically both not both retired. On Mac. both Don Come Mac. on. Come Matt Matt Ryan just went out
1: terribly. It was awful. That, no, that's, I, I just yes. don't see him making another run. Philip Rivers, I'll say, is the most viable out of those three. Out of Flacco and Ryan. I'll I'll say Phillip Rivers is the most viable, considering we heard that the 49ers, their plan if they beat the Eagles was to bring Phillip Rivers into the Super Bowl. Exactly. So maybe, but to play 17 more games and potentially playoff games, I don't think Phillip Rivers comes back for that.
0: Yeah, at 42 years old when he hasn't played in three seasons, I kind of find myself agreeing, but at the same time, you know the competitor that Rivers is. This is the best team arguably that he could ever play on in one last chance, but you're right. The 17 games is really the thing. If this was December, I think we'd be having a much different discussion. But it's uh, we're not even into week two yet, so let's keep going here. Uh, I think Case Keenum's a really good option. I think Case Keenum is also a a guy that you could go get. You know, he's on the Texans right now. They've got Davis Mills and C.J. Stroud. Case Keenum isn't going to be playing there anytime soon. He's been on the team. He's a vet. He's been around the league. And, and as far as the style is concerned, he is the point and shoot guy. He he's not going to make a whole bunch of mistakes. Is he? Is he super exciting? No, but they don't need that at the quarterback position.
1: Yeah, I, I I like I like the Keenum option. I I think for me, right now through so far, I would say Dalton and Keenum would be at the top of my list because I think those are the most viable options. And out of the guys we've listed so far. Two, I think they would be the most adequate at the job necessary for the Jets. Um, I, I, If you can get Phillip Rivers out of retirement, go ahead. But again, he went downhill quickly with the Colts. Same as Matt Ryan. Brady, I think, is just not coming back. And Flacco, I think, is about done. I, I'd rather have Phillip Rivers and Matt Ryan than go back to the Joe Flacco train.
0: I know I'd rather have Rivers. I don't know. Matt Ryan looked really bad last season, really bad. But Flacco did too. I mean, I guess there were flashes for Flacco, but again, it was just lesser of a sample size and anyone who did anything of competence at the quarterback position last year in the Jets got a cookie and when they necessarily shouldn't have. So then that's because we had to watch Zach Wilson. Um, Okay. Colt McCoy. I think this is kind of the same vein. I think McCoy would be great. I think Jacoby Brissett would be solid. Blake Bortles, less so. And then from Jordan Schultz today on Twitter, Alex, Chad Henny, my boy. Super Bowl, Super Bowl champ Chad Henney. anything's possible. Could come there. He's got some mobility. We saw him on a third and 13 rush for 12 yards in the playoffs a couple years ago. And we saw him in, against the Jaguars in the playoffs. Uh, drive 90. Yeah, that's the thing. We, no, yeah, go ahead.
1: We, we saw him rush for 12 yards, Mac, and we had it for two years ago, and we haven't seen it again. So I I think that that would be my worry right there.
0: Oh, that's fair. That's fair. I can't really use two years ago for a, you know, high thirties, second string journeyman quarterback. Okay. So we've made a lot of the the big names and I think you, you and I are pretty much on the same page. Andy Dalton, Case Keenum, Colt McCoy. Yes. I mean, yeah. Colt Colt McCoy for the Giants two seasons
1: ago filled in great while Daniel Jones was hurt. Filled in great. So uh, Colt McCoy is, is a great guy to have in the building. He's he's a great mentor to young quarterbacks. Yeah. So again, you're you're bringing in another guy to be there for Zach Wilson if you continue with Zach as your starting quarterback. Um, but also too, he can win you a few ball games. So much so that the Cardinals cut bait with him because they're afraid that he'd win them too many
0: ball games. Exactly. That's exactly what I was about to say. I mean, for Arizona, he's been doing nothing but good things for them with. A lot of trash around him he's been able to build up. And yeah, like like you've mentioned, nothing but really positive things have been said to, about him from a locker room perspective, from a film watching perspective, from a teaching and wisdom perspective. Colt McCoy could be that guy. Okay, real quick before we get to just the rest of this week one stuff. RG3, he shouted himself out as an option, kind of low key on ESPN today. It was pretty geeky and also just like, stop it. I I, I just I don't even, I don't know, man. The looks he got from the other panel yes. on get up Dominique Foxworth
1: and Dan Graziano just, you know, they heard that and they, they turned their heads like,
0: did we really just hear that? Okay. Did he really just pitch himself? He just slipped that in. Um, okay. Uh, oh, th- this is this. Oh, I saved, I guess I'll I'll save this for last. Cause I actually think that is the option. I, I, that's what I was doing. Sorry. Got ahead of myself there. Um, uh, Another one where uh, this is an insane conversation that needs to just stop existing. And, and it's, it's not because I don't wish that he did have the chance prior, and it's not because I, I agree with the reasons that he was blackballed from the NFL. I don't. I think it's insane. I think it was a way, it, it's one of the biggest what-ifs in NFL history. Colin Kaepernick was a fantastic talent in the league seven years ago. He's now 35. He hasn't played a football game in seven years. And, and again, we, we, can, we can talk to the cows come home about the reasons such and if you agree or disagree. I'll be very candid and say, I I disagree with those reasons, but it it doesn't really matter. It's irrelevant. He's 35 years old and it's been seven seasons since he's touched a professional football field. I'm tired of hearing these conversations on Twitter. It's not a viable option. He's not coming back and no one else is going to have him. So let's, let's stop with that. Uh, I mean, is there anything to add there, Alex?
1: No, I I completely agree. Uh, I mean, did he 100% deserve another chance in the NFL? Yes. Yes. Did he get Blackfall from the NFL? Yes. But I think ultimately at this point, for all the jobs that he maybe should have gotten that he didn't, I think at this point, seven years down the line, why would things change? And unfortunately, too, he's like you mentioned, he's 35. He's on the wrong side of age that I I think 100% people would owners and teams are going to go asking Philip Rivers and Matt Ryan first before they come to Colin Kaepernick. So I think that one's just, uh, we can nip that one in the bud. I, I really don't think it's a viable, it's a possibility at all.
0: Yeah, I think at this point you're just kind of trying to garner some clicks on, on, on social media if you bring up that name in any serious conversation. Um, now this is it, and let's get into week one after this because we do have a lot to talk about and we're going slow here. But Jameis Winston. I mean, I think this is maybe the best option as far as ceiling is concerned. I I think the floor would scare me with the ability, as I said earlier, to fuck it up. Because if he does fuck it up, that's huge. And you'd want someone who's just not going to. You want someone who's just going to point and shoot, get the first down, go down, get the field, give your chance self at six with amazing playmakers like Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook, Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, all of these guys. Jameis can do that, but he can also throw 30 interceptions in a season. Is it worth it?
1: That's that's Mac. I was about to say, no, Jameis can shoot, Mac. But <laughs> the only thing is, he'll get you one touchdown at the cost of one pick. Yep. So every, look, Jameis, I think he would be, you'd be taking a flyer on him. And I think one thing you could say is, Zach Wilson at times could look timid. Jameis Winston has never looked that way. It's not going to happen. He's never been afraid to to shoot and fire, and with the with the playmakers that they have, why why not take a chance on it? All right, why not? And look, if he does turn turn the ball over way too much, then obviously you can go back to Zach Wilson trade. But I think also what's good about the Jets is they have a great defense as well. So if he if he does cost you a few turnovers, a let me rephrase that if he does cost you a few turnovers you have a capable defense a top five defense that can get you the ball right back and can make key stops as well and back in his Buccaneers day that defense wasn't at the level at which it was at the last three years under Tom Brady so look Jameis is is crazy all right he's out there his training styles are unique to say the least (laughs) But at the end of the day, he's got that arm strength and that talent to where he can, he can fire it all over the field. But sometimes he's going to be firing it to the wrong team. But why not take a chance on it at this point?
0: Yeah, I think that's totally it. And I think from just our conversation, what I'm seeing here is, and I don't think the Jets will do this because they're not willing to fully punt on the Zach Wilson idea. But if I were the Jets here, I would go get Case Keenum because I know I can. The Texans don't want him. They don't have value for him. I can go get him for a bag of chips, and then I can go see what the price is for Jameis Winston. And if I can get both of them, start Jameis, and have, you know, if he really starts to go downhill, he gets in his head, he's, he throw th- throws three picks in a quarter, I've got a guy behind him who can kind of just settle everyone down and get the ship back home into the dock where the, and, and with a win. And it doesn't matter if you score... 30 points with this Jets team, it's really not going to matter as much. So if I can get those two quarterbacks and then just have Zach sit on the bench and, and just, you know, stop, stay out of headlines about milfs and all of this, you know, crap that he's involved with, then we can just play football. Cause that's what the Jets need to do. And they need to focus on. And Zach Wilson's not going to be a part of that in my mind. Um, yeah. I, I think that's, I think that about does it for that. Uh, real quick, before we get into other week one stuff and games, on the other side of this, Alex, Josh Allen, are you worried? Is it is it panic button mode? Is is were we crowning him a little bit too early? What's what's the deal?
1: Well, well, Mac. First of all, I don't know. You you said were we crowning him too early? I feel like that's a little bit of that Chiefs fan coming out of. Mm. all people talk about how Josh Allen's just right on that level as Patrick Mahomes, and I I feel like you got that little bit of an axe to grind, but. I'm not going to hold it against you. I'm just going to continue on, but I, I I don't think it's I don't think it's panic mode time. I don't think we crowned him too early. I think it's very telling that over the last two seasons he's had the most turnovers out of any quarterback. Um, and I I think, look, this is a hell of a wake up call for him in week one, to say look I cost my team a game against a Jets team that lost their starting quarterback three plays in, and, and I mean. Two of the picks too were just—he was literally just throwing it to the other team, just lazy and and just not thinking it through and not being smart with the ball. And for the playmakers that they have on that team, and for the skill level that they have on offense, they have a great offensive line as well, great defense that gets them the ball back constantly. He cannot be so careless with the ball, and I—I I think a hundred percent that going forward. This is something that him and and, and Ken Dorsey are going to be working on closely to to correct and and to get better at. And I think if the Bills want any chance of, of making a deep run and making it to Super Bowl like they've been on track to the last two seasons, he's got to play better. And there's no better warning sign for him than his week one performance. So I'm not concerned yet because I think he's going to be better than that. And I think it was just we saw it with a lot of games this week and we'll get into it a lot of teams were just not great out the gate. They were sloppy out the gate. The game's were very, very were kind of ugly to watch. So for me, I just take, chalk it up as that, that week one rust, you know, he's getting off and going forward. I, I think he's going to be better. It's not to say that he's not, he's not ever going to throw another pick a hundred percent. He's going to continue throwing picks, but I just think he will scale it back a little bit and be, take better care of the ball.
0: And for me, really, I mean, the picks is one thing. The fumbles is the, is the huge issue. And for a lot of those guys on that turnover list you were referring to, like Derek Carr is second on that list. That's a guy who just has trouble fumbling the football, keeping it at his hands and knowing his surroundings. And for a guy like Josh Allen, who's running around a lot, he's got to keep track of those things even more. I, I'm kind of on the same page here. I'm not too worried. I, I think it's an issue. I always think it's been an issue. It was an issue two years ago. It was an issue last year when they were the number one offense for the first eight weeks of the season. The thing was, I I attributed so much of his second half woes of the second half season of woes to that elbow injury. And to see week one of him come out and kind of look similarly as far as the turnovers and decision making is concerned is troubling. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm freaking out, but I kind of wanted to see a lot of those issues eradicated and. They weren't necessarily last night. But again, I'm kind of with you. Not super worried. Do think it's something to keep an eye on, though. Okay. Lots of big things happened here in week one, man. It was super fun. Let's first start off with, I wouldn't be a Chiefs fan if I didn't at least talk about this. Chris Jones is back. It's a little bit weird of a situation. It took forever. He kind of took a fat L as far as this whole thing is concerned from an optics point of view and possibly a financial point of view. He restructured Chris Jones, uh, one of the best defensive players in football, for those not aware, which you probably all should be. He restructured his deal to uh, just restructured a one-year deal, no extension. Um, and now he has the chance in incentives, and a lot of which are team-tied incentives, to earn a little bit more money than he could have last year and also earn those fines back that he lost from missing practices, training camps, and then, of course, week one. Um, while he was sitting in the stands watching us lose. So I I feel great to have him back. It is a weird situation. Um, And I think he kind of, again, I think he took the L here because he lost some money. He didn't really gain a whole lot of leverage. Our defense looked, the chief's defense actually looked pretty good, which I was shocked about. So this is exciting though for, for the chiefs and the, and the chief's loss in general feels oddly a little bit better than the other teams' losses. I mean, you look at, the, look at the top three teams of the AFC. Well, had everyone conceived top three teams of the AFC, Bills, Bengals, and Chiefs, all those three teams lost week one, Alex, and teams, I mean, it was the Browns, the Jets, and the Lions. And, and that's not to say those teams aren't good, but it's, it's certainly different than maybe we, what we expected week one, Alex.
1: Without a doubt. On that, and and I think, too, added on to how the Chiefs' loss looked better than I I think most teams, they were without Travis Kelsey for the first time in in a long time because that man finds a way to stay on the field 90% of the time. So to be without your top pass catcher, for Kadarius Toney to have the woeful game that he had Mm. where, you know, if if Kadarius Toney makes a few catches, it's a completely different ball. At least the Chiefs are kicking a field goal. to to be beating or would have a field goal in the box score, an additional field goal that would have put them over the lines to win Week One. So, I I, and a Lions team too that's not to be snuffed at. Like this Lions team, the expectation is for them to be competing within the the NFC North. So, they lost to a quality team Week One, looked great with a depleted team without a Chris Jones, key part of their defense, and without Travis Kelsey. So if you're I, mean, I can imagine and you'll go into it you have to be pretty pleased with that even though it's 0 and 1 obviously you don't want to start off with a loss for you to be missing those pieces and still look like a good chiefs team that you guys have been for the last 3 4 years you, you got to be happy with that and just think that it's going to be nothing but up from here
0: yeah i mean honestly in the way i kind of look at it alex is there was that burst of the end of the second quarter where the Chiefs' offense looked like the Chiefs' offense. you know, They went down, and, and at the end of that first half and had three or four huge plays, drove down the field, got the touchdown, and all of a sudden, it, the Chiefs have the lead, 14-7, going in the half with the chance to get the ball back, and it's like, whoa, this is Kansas City Chiefs football with Patrick Mahomes. Just all of a sudden, the momentum has shifted, the crowd's into it, and there's a chance for a two-scored lead coming your way after the Lions played what they probably felt was a great first half. So to have at least that burst of a moment that a lot of teams didn't have felt good in week one. And again, I think a lot of people are freaking out about the wide, freaking out about the wide receiver situation. Kadarius Tony's not known to drop footballs. I think there's a lot of solid options as far as talent's concerned on the, the roster of wide receivers. It's now just about Andy Reid and Matt Nagy and Mahomes Figuring out the puzzle pieces and where to place all of them. John Ross didn't get a whole lot of snaps. You know, Rasheed Rice didn't get a whole lot of snaps, but man, the rookie looked good when he did get the moments. So let's just figure out where to put all these guys. And I I think the talents there, especially, like you said, Alex, when you add a weapon that's going to have the magnitude of the defense drawn towards him and Travis Kelsey, you're going to be fine. I think people, uh, and of course, it's week one. so everyone's you know, burning down to the ground. It's, it, ah, everyone, it's, 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 it's a problem. Oh my gosh, the Bengals are done. The Chiefs are done. It's, it's the passing of the torch. It's all going to be fine. Uh, let's go over to the Miami Dolphins. I, I ha- We'll get into preseason takes here, but I, I felt really good about the Dolphins going into this year. I'll just say I had them winning their division. And week one's funny, Alex, because week one's one of those moments where you can kind of go, if something happens that you didn't think would happen, you go, oh, it's week one. And if something happens that you kind of were predicting, you go, "See, I told you." And so this is one of my "See, I told you" moments. What do you think about the Dolphins in Week One, Alex?
1: Well, can we can we say that as a "See, I told you" about the Dolphins when they're playing against the Los Angeles Chargers and Fair. Brandon Staley? Fair. Can, can we really say that? Fair. Because the Chargers do nothing but disappoint and <sighs> just consistently lower their expectations. So for me, I can't I can't chalk it up as oh yeah, Miami's going full throttle from here. They're going to win 100%. They're going to win the AFC East. Now, I can't say that because I've seen the Chargers consistently disappoint year in, year out. And we all cannot forget how they lost their playoff game last year against the Jaguars. So for me, I'm not going to buy into it too much. But that offense for Miami,
0: you know, PFF graded
1: uh, defensive and offensive efficiency for all 32 teams this past week. Guess who ranked number one?
0: The Miami Dolphins in yes. offensive efficiency. Yes. I mean,
1: they were just incredible. They've got a luxury of options. If Tua stays healthy, th- there's no reason for this team to not th- – they can put up points on anyone. But the key is to keep Tua healthy. I, I, look, I, it was a great week one. It's was a great to, to start them off. I, I would like to see the defense play a little bit better. Uh, I think that, that was a little bit of a, a letdown for them. But Jalen Ramsey will eventually be back. Yeah, I mean he's he's out carrying a little bit of injury. That was a key acquisition for them this offseason. But no, they, they look good week one. And I, I I don't see any reason for right now to not buy into the Dolphins hype. Because that wasn't it it was a good week one win. I'm again I'm not gonna overreact to it, but it was it was good to see from the Dolphins for a team that I think a lot of people were had high expectations going into this year with how well Mike McDaniel did year one.
0: And without Teron Armstead, you know, they're all pro left tackle, and they, it was kind of a question mark at who that second-string guy was went out, showed up, and Tua. I mean, that was obviously the other big question mark, and, man, he was slinging it. If he can stay healthy and stay upright, Alex, he's a fantastic quarterback with the weapons around him. I mean, he can, he can his ball placement, man. I mean, and you talk about Tyreek in, in a connection with a quarterback, you'd think, oh, well, they, they won't get one better with, than with Patrick Mahomes. Tua is creeping up, man. Their one-to-one synergy that they have already on the field together is something to watch. I'm really excited to see it throughout the season. And Tyreek, 2,000-yard season, that's a possibility. That's a real thing. So let's keep it going, man. Miami, wow, exciting stuff. And, and of course, you don't want to see anyone get hurt. But there's no doubt that um, losing a star quarterback in your division helps their chances to be crowned in the AFC, AFC East. Um, let's go over to Eagles. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll just do a quick little talk on the Eagles. It, it was a 25 to 20 win against the new England Patriots. They started up 16 to nothing. And, and really they were gifted a lot of points here by some turnovers from Mac Jones, some bad special teams from the new England Patriots. They got up to an early start and Bill Belichick and the rest of Foxborough on a day that they were honoring the goat, Tom Brady, were able to claw their way back. And the offense had some flashes there in what was a rainy, rainy, ugly game. Um, but the offense for the Eagles, on the other hand, didn't ever really get clicking. It looked kind of weird. Obviously, you've lost your offensive coordinator and Shane Steichen and a lot of the time when you have an elite team, you kind of think those things just pick back up and you got Jalen Hurts, you have A.J. Brown, you've got the best O-line. This will work it itself out. But it just seemed a little bit off, didn't it? Yes.
1: I, I think for, for the, there's a couple things that I look into when it comes to this game. I, I think for one, the week one matchup against the Patriots, I think a lot of people going into this year See, see the Patriots for what they are. They're they're probably going to hang around the bottom of the AFC East. They're not they're not a great team. You know they, for as great as Bill Belichick is, the talent is just not there. Defensively, they have lost a couple pieces. Offensively, you know we'll see this year if Mac Jones is the real deal, because I think this is kind of the doer, the break, the make or break here for him. I think this year, but depending on how he performs, they may have to go another direction. So I think the Eagles kind of came in riding a little too high, kind of overlooked it, and and they just let their foot off the pedal after the first quarter. And that's that the Patriots got their way back into it, but also too I think one thing that we looked into this going into the season. They lost Miles Sanders at running back. So what did they do? They brought in DeAndre Swift. Yep. You know, we think that with you know, with a DeAndre Swift addition that the running, you know, their running game should be just as good, if not even better, right? They have one of the best offensive lines in football. And yet, against the New England Patriots, they only ran the ball for 97 total yards. Mm. But their top mm. rusher among their running backs was Kenny Gainwell. Kenny Gainwell with 54 yards. So for me, that's that's the concern because for great teams, and especially for the Eagles, for the passing attack that they have, with the luxury of options that they have at, at receiver with A.J. Brown, with Devonte Smith with Dallas Goddard, right? They they just need to run the ball at a level in which teams have to respect the run and not full blown defend the pass. And I think too, it it sets you it sets Jalen Hurts up to do so many different things when he's got both the run and the pass working because of the dual threat that he presents. And for them to not bring that running attack and depend solely on the pass, I mean they, they only finish with 155 passing yards. To begin with, but for me, I, that that was what was a little bit concerning. I, I I'm not again. I'm not going to you know. It's just week it's week one. one. Yeah, of so course. I'm not going to buy into it. Of course. But for me, that's that's something to look forward to because yeah. that that's what I was interested in going to the season with the Eagles. How they were going to do their their running game because by all indications, Nick Sirianni said it was going to be a running back by committee, and for them to to put up the kind of run for them to have the kind of effectiveness that they had week one, it was a pretty poor showing against the Patriots team that they should have been able to run the ball at a, at a at more effectively. Um, and especially with one of the better offensive lines of football.
0: I think I'm a little higher on this Pat's defense than you, but I do agree. I mean, if you're, if you're in a rainy game where you're expected to run the ball and you don't reach that triple digit mark as an Eagles team, that's a, that's an upsetting moment for sure. That's an upsetting week one stat to have. And, yeah, this Kenny Gainwell thing, you know, there was so much talk about it in the offseason about he may be the lead back and may get all these carries. I didn't buy into it. I like Gainwell. It's nothing against him. Um, but then it happened week one. So you're right. That's an interesting thing to watch the rest of this season, the rest of this month, really, about, okay, is Gainwell going to be the 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 bell cow? I mean, that's just – it just didn't really feel like the right choice. I don't know. No, I,
1: I completely agree. Like, I lo- – I- Kenny Gainwell, like he he is a very talented player, and yes. getting the ball in his hands, I can understand. You just want to get the ball in his hands and let him go to work. He he's got the speed, he's got the agility to just move the chains. But he's not the type of bell cow that can first through third down run the ball up the no. gut for you. Hell no, run the ball to the outside. Hell he's no. not that guy. And, and DeAndre Swift, I feel like is is that guy for at least have him out there for first and second downs to run the ball for you and bring in Kenny Gainwell on third downs. Like, I just don't understand the process when it came to them deciding on how we're going to, we're going to split up the the running back committee. Because for me, it just makes logical sense to, to go with the DeAndre Swift train. DeAndre Swift last year had a down year, but I think a lot of that had to do with injuries and the fact that, that Javante Williams played incredible last year behind the Lions O-line. So I, I don't, I don't understand why we've kind of, uh, it seems like everyone has kind of hopped off the DeAndre Swift train. He's still young. Why not use him?
0: Yeah. He's still young and he is an all purpose back. I, I am curious to see, cause Jalen hurts doesn't check down a lot. He doesn't throw to his running backs a lot. That's kind of Swift's what he excels at. So I'm curious to see how they, they mingle those two, they merge those two styles together. Cause if you can get them working together, it'd be a match made in heaven, but it may take a little bit of time. This will be funny when on Thursday night against the Vikings, Thursday night football, the Eagles just wreck them, and we look like complete idiots, so that'll be fun. Um, <laughs> let's, let's go over to uh, Tennessee, man. I mean, obviously, I didn't even mention it. I'm living here in Nashville working in radio. Alex lives in Memphis, so we're both here in Tennessee. Obviously, neither of us rep the two-tone blue, but I'd be remiss not to bring up the Tennessee Titans in a close loss against the Saints, 15-16. to 16. Real quick, Alex, before we get into our preseason takes and before, obviously, I let you talk about the travesty that was the Giants' loss. Is there a QB controversy in in, in Tennessee? Is, is Ryan Tannehill maybe not it? They drafted Will Levis with the 30, I believe it was the 33rd overall pick, first pick in the second round. It was early in the second round from Kentucky. You got Malik Willis last year out of Liberty, a guy who I think has a, a lot of potential is there, is there a battle here? Ryan Tannehill threw three interceptions. He couldn't hit the broad side of a barn, and the plays were there, Alex, and I think that's the real key here. If you're a Tennessee Titans fan, half glass half full outlook here. Tajay Spears was open. Chig had a couple of wide open plays. He missed Traylon Burks. I mean, he he force-fed DeAndre Hopkins a little bit too much at the beginning. Tim Kelly was putting some stuff together You couldn't say that about the Titans' offense last year. What do you think? Do they just need to stick with Tannehill and take a deep breath?
1: I think for now they stick with Tannehill, and I think it's one of those situations where you kind of see how the season unfolds. Yeah. So I I think around Week Eight, Week Nine, you know, if if you're at a position in which you can see very clearly that you're not going to be making a real playoff push, which I think the Titans are in real danger of coming to that point around that time, then I think that's when you have to start evaluating your options. Because they, like you mentioned, they have Malik Willis and Will Levis in the quarterback room, two young guys that they've, they've drafted the last two years because they can foresee the, the writing on the wall in which Ryan Tannehill does not have many years left. And it's been kind of a continual digression from Ryan Tannehill the last two years, some through injury, but also just through his overall efficiency, it, you know, he's not at that level that he was in which, you know, he 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 contributed at a great rate when it, he, uh, when I, I was about to say when he took them to the AFC Championship. I knew you were I'd about to say that. Derrick Henry, <laughs> Derrick Henry carried them to the AFC Championship. I there will never is. attribute that to Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> I will attribute him to being, great quarterback in terms of he never turned the ball over in that time. And he was efficient with his passing and yeah. he hasn't been that way. I mean, just look at Sunday throwing three picks, but I also too, I want to give credit because the saints defense looked incredible.
0: Yes. and, and Incredible.
1: A, again, you can chalk that up as the Titans offense because Titans offense has not been great. The last, the last season, it was terrible. They made an off- offensive ch- uh, coordinator change and it looked a lot more the same last year. The Titans are also lacking receiver options. They got DeAndre Hopkins through the door, but they just got DeAndre Hopkins. Traylon Burks was a non-factor, very much so uh, on Sunday. So for me, I am I think the State's defense played great, but Ryan Tannehill, man, he had a terrible week one. But you have to ride it out and kind of see how the season goes. And I think it's one of those seasons where it's just, if it looks like, you know, are your teams going to be out of it, then yeah, you you need to take stock and, in who you have in your quarterback room and see if any of those guys can prove themselves as, as a promising starting quarterback going forward for you.
0: Well, and I think you kind of have to evaluate physically if this is the end for Ryan Tannehill too, because that cliff just comes, man. Sometimes it just happens. You know, Tannehill two years ago, didn't look like physically he was done. He got hurt in the middle of last season. And, and sometimes with a quarterback, with any wide, with any position in football, you know, it can just kind of go. It just kind of, erodes away and it, it it happens quickly. And I don't know if that's the case for Tannehill yet, but I know I've heard that discussion around from Titans fans about if maybe his arm and his legs are done and it's just gone. I I mean, he's, he's in his mid thirties and we'll see what they do there. But I, I am really curious um, about what's next. He's yeah, he's 35. He's 35. That's what I thought. Okay. So let's, uh, let's see what happens there. And you mentioned the saints defense real quick before we get off that. Titans defense, wow. Especially the front seven, wow. I mean, this is what we wanted. This is what we thought we were going to get with the Tennessee Titans, and we're getting it even more. I mean, this is going to be elite-level defensive play. I really believe so.
1: But, Mac, Mac, let's, let's not buy into stock too much because no. they're facing Derek Carr. Ah. Tannehill. Tannehill didn't have a great game on one side of the ball, Derek Carr know. didn't look great on the other side of the ball. He, oh, he didn't. So and he I cannot didn't. buy into it. I, I cannot buy into it because Derek Carr has not been one that you're afraid of torching your secondary. And the and the Titans were one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL last season. So I, I'm not buying stock 100% on Titans defense just yet. But the fact that they did keep them in that ball game for all four quarters you know, on Sunday, that that was encouraging to see. And like you said, the front seven was just dominant.
0: Are the New York Football Giants done, Alex? Is is forty to nothing? It is Daniel Jones in this contract over? Is the coach of the year last year Brian Dayball? Was that was that a farce? What what? Where are we living? What's what's real? What is going on with the New York which, Giants?
1: Which, which one of those questions would you like me to answer first? Give me all out. Look for the for the for the first <laughs> part. All right. For are the Giants done? No, no, they're not. Okay. 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 Let let me just talk, take you through. The first half couldn't have been any worse. All right, you could have been going into halftime with a six nothing deficit, but Daniel Jones wants to go ahead and you know throw a great pick six. You know, just right at the DB. Just great. Thank you, Daniel. That that's great pass for Look, I I feel bad because he had a terrible game. All right, on Sunday, and for the, all the big money thrown, and I'll get into the contract in a minute. It it was a, a terrible start. All right, so turnovers did not help. A blocked field goal against Graham Gano did not help. Graham Gano, not to mention, had a terrible game as well. Missed all, missed only three field goals last season. Got one blocked on Sunday, and then he missed one, pulled one left. C- couldn't have gone any worse for you. And the Daniel Jones front. When when I say he had a bad game. <laughs> With six That's minutes enough. left in the second quarter, oh gosh, Daniel Jones had, I think it was six or eight completions. None of them were to a single wide receiver. It was all to Saquon, and and one to Bellinger as well. Like it, it couldn't have gone. It, it was all dump offs. And for all the money they spent on wide receivers and trying to improve the position, I mean, they went out and they got Darren Waller, right? They went out and they signed Paris Campbell. You know, it, it didn't matter because at the end of the day, the offensive line was just getting overrun. And they just signed Andrew Thomas to an extension this past offseason. Andrew Thomas has been great. You know what the Cowboys did? Oh, they just sent Micah Parsons right up the middle. Yeah, because you got a rookie center, which, you know, I, I think he, he will be, be good you know going forward. But again, it's, it's week one against the Dallas Cowboys defense. It's a top five defense in the NFL with a front seven that is unbelievable. So they just sent Micah Parsons right up the middle, through the guard, through the center, and he was creating havoc up front to where they were having to double team him, in which that left the the right tackle exposed, Evan Neal. And, you know, Evan Neal, he he, he had an okay season last year. There were some games where he looked great. Other games, you could tell he was still a rookie. So he's still young and figuring out how to hold down that right side, but... The offensive line just went into shambles and it reminded me a lot of the latter years of Eli Manning because the Giants O-line was just horrific and we had weapons like Odell Beckham on the outside and Odell was complaining about getting nothing but curl routes and slants, but that's because the offensive line couldn't couldn't hold pass protection for more than three seconds. And that's what it looked like on Sunday. It looked like they had no answer for the for the Cowboys front seven, all credit to that defense. It is incredible. And Daniel Jones was just escaping the pocket almost every snap, you know, trying to fight for his life and he was forcing things. And on the contract front, I just want to I just want to say one thing. Yeah, please. A lot of people said in the offseason when it comes to them only the, you know, fra- Saquon getting franchise tag, they agreed to the one-year deal with him. They give Daniel Jones all the big money. What other options did they have? Because if you let Daniel Jones walk, what other options are there on the quarterback market? Because a lot of t- all 32 NFL teams know that the most important position on the football field is quarterback. So even if you're unsure on a g- if a guy's good enough to get you to a Super Bowl, Teams are not willing to take that risk and let him walk and watch another team pick him up, pick that same guy up and watch that same guy take them to the Super Bowl. So for the Giants, I felt like they were handcuffed. They had no other option. Daniel Jones had a great season last year. A lot of that can be contributed to Saquon's success the last few years. They've improved the offensive line. And for the lack of weapons that they had last year, Daniel Jones still had a pretty great year. So I feel like they were handicapped and they had no other option but to give their quarterback his money. And so they didn't have to worry about that moving forward. Whereas Saquon, unfortunately, you look at the volume that he's had the last three years, you look at injuries he's had the last three years, the Giants are worried for it's just the, the business of the NFL, right? You don't want to take pay big money for a running back because running backs are easy to come by. And for as much as I love Saquon, my favorite player on the team, and for all he's done for this team because, he, trust me, he has put this team on his back the last – prior to last season, Saquon was the only source of offense on that team. The yeah, I mean, only source. Since 2016, it, it, was it like, feels it, like, yeah. It was, it was one versus 11 on offense yeah, a lot of the time. It was. Because he had no offensive line. The wide receivers were – depleted injured and daniel jones was still figuring out the position so i understand saquon 100 deserves his money and i hope that he eventually does get it from the giants and stays with the giants but i don't think you can equate them giving their money to daniel jones as a slight on saquon because the giants were forced into that i don't think they chose daniel jones over saquon i think they did it in terms of the position they need a quarterback more than they need a running back. They can find a running back somewhere else, and, and I think that's what they were forced into. So, for me, I, I, I don't, I don't say like the con- the contract extension was oh because they think Daniel Jones is going to be a top ten quarterback in this league. They hope that giving him that money, he will turn into that and will carry them to playoff bursts and to Super Bowls. But do I personally believe that? Not, not really. But they had no other options. <laughs>
0: No, I, I I agree. And also just something to add on there. He had a great season last year, like you said, and not only was it, you know, offensive line, Saquon finally giving him something, not wide receivers, didn't give him that quite yet, but you also, you gave him a head coach in Brian Dayball. And that was something else. And I think that goes into the contract discussions too. And there's no doubt that Brian Dayball was a part of those conversations. And if Dayball signed off on some of that, and said, yeah, we can make this work with with Danny Dimes for a couple of more years, then yeah, I'm okay with that. I'm not completely scratching off this loss, but I think, you know, who who is it next week? Uh, it's a it's uh, Alex for the Giants. Who do they play? I can't quite remember right now. I have to look it up. It is it's an it's a, it's an yeah, easy. oh, this is the Cardinals. A, this off is the, the Cardinals. Off my head. It's the Cardinals. Yeah. So I mean that's that, a huge that's, game. That's man. a confidence boost game. Has to be. It has to be. And it's, it's, and it's a complete panic if it's a, lo- if it's a loss. Because I'm telling you what, week three, it's at San Francisco. You're playing the 49ers. So you've got two of the top three teams in the NFC just in the first three weeks of the season. So this is a must, must win against Arizona.
1: And they have a tough schedule this season, Mac. And if they want any chance of making the playoffs... Because I, I think the NFC, for the most part, is it's, it's going to be a tight playoff race. Because I think the t- the top two teams in each division are very talented and will be in the playoff hunt, and the bottom two teams in almost every division are going to be just, um, just absolutely, you know, not just not worth mentioning. They're not going to be competing. So I think for the Giants, if they want any chance of of making the playoffs and and competing for a division. One thing they have to do is they have to learn how to beat the Eagles and the Cowboys because the last three seasons, they have continually gotten swept by the Eagles and the Cowboys. They cannot win Philadelphia. They cannot win in Dallas. And they haven't been able to beat them when they're playing them at home. And the Commanders, they've gone into every season just splitting the series with them. Whereas, you know, this year is one of those years where you have to beat the Commanders in both games you play them, both in Washington and both at home. So at the very least, they need to do that but they need to learn how to at least take one from the Eagles and the Cowboys because they haven't been able to do it the last four years.
0: We've got a lot of fun stuff coming up this season on the behind the box score podcast. Alex and I are super pumped to be here. Alex will be here most weeks throughout the season. Um, and of course I'll be here every week. We'll have an array of guests. We'll, we'll, we're, we're going to talk again, mostly NFL, but we'll bring some SEC stuff in here. We'll bring some Tennessee volunteer stuff in in here because him and I, both are alumni. We both are Vols. So, GBO there. Um, but before we get out of here, real quick, Alex, do you have your 14 playoff teams, seven in each conference? Because we can just quickly read those, and we can get out of here.
1: Okay. Yeah, I've got it. I've got it.
0: Yeah. Do, do you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. Give me your one through seven in the AFC, and then we'll go NFC after.
1: As a number one seed, I have the Miami Dolphins. All right. As the two seed. Love it. As a two seed, I have the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay, I don't like it as much. Okay. 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 Three seed, I've got Jaguars. Oh, okay. Yeah, Matt, I know you're going to be mad at me, Mac. I've got Chiefs oh, I'm getting as pissed number now. four seed.
0: Oh, at least we win our division. Thank you, Alex.
1: Yeah, no problem. Uh, <laughs> Five seed, I've got the Bengals. All right. You've got. Er, oh, you've I'm got sorry, the... not the Bengals. The Bills. My
0: bad. Okay. Okay, sorry. Bills. Yep.
1: All right. Now, th- this is where it gets dicey. The sixth seed, I've got the Cleveland Browns. Good. And I, I know that's that you're not going to agree with it because one of your takes was that Kevin Stefanski was going to get fired this year.
0: So, I know that you're not going to be
1: high on that one. And then, as my eighth seed, I have the Baltimore Ravens.
0: So, okay, i got so three you teams get-
1: from the AFC North.
0: Yeah, three teams of the AFC North, and I, I don't hate that. And I don't hate your Browns take from a talent and roster perspective. I really like that team. I struggled with them, but I looked at that schedule. I wasn't sold on Stefanski, and that just turned into kind of one of my things of, hey, they're going to lose some games out the gate, and Stefanski's going to be out of there. But I think, I, I think from a talent perspective, you're right. I've got uh, Bengals as the one seed. I've got the Chiefs as the two. I've got the Dolphins as the three. I've got the Titans as the number four seed. And then I'm going to go Ravens at the five seed, Chargers at the six seed, which uh, I know the Brandon Staley led Chargers. I'm I'm, I'm going in. It, it's Here we go. Um, and then my seventh seed will be the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I, I had the Steelers and the Browns both missing, um, as well as the Bills and the Jets both missing the playoffs. So uh, a couple of hot takes there from both of us um i'll go with my nfc here real quick i've got 49ers as the one seed i've got them going 13 and four i've got the eagles tying them with the best record in the nfl number two seed um three seed i'll have the the vikings i'm still in on them i I know that was a rough week one loss against tampa bay I, i i'm not sure how confident i am on it i really liked what i saw from green bay and and detroit for that matter so we'll see how that pans out Number four seed, I've got, the, I've got the New Orleans Saints. They've got the easiest schedule in football. They've probably got the worst division in football. And I think they've got a decent squad. We mentioned the defense. Derek Carr can get them down the field and do what they need to do. Dennis Allen's a worry. Uh, five seed, I've got the Cowboys. Six seed, I've got the Detroit Lions. And then rounded it off, I've got the Seattle Seahawks, who got trounced by a division rival in LA Rams. So who do you got in, in, the, in the NFC, Alex?
1: So, NFC, I've got Eagles as the one seed. Yep. I've got 49ers as the two seed. Yep. I've got Vikings on three seed. So And okay. Saints as the four seed. So, so okay, we're so, agreeing there on the top four. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Now, five seed, I've got the Dallas Cowboys as much as it pains me. You have to. All right. Six seed. Yeah. I know. Uh, unfortunately so. Uh, Six seed, I've got the Los Angeles Rams. And for the Simmons, yep, nice yep. okay, and for the and for the seven seed, I've got Detroit Lions
0: Wow, very spicy take with the Rams, and it looks really good after week one. Wow i, I that's very interesting. I'm going to have to inquire more about that offseason take. I like that a lot. um and if you want more of our offseason takes and more explanation for all those things, you can go follow us on Twitter. We're both there. I am uh, Mac J. Mori, that's M-A-C-J-M-O-R-E-Y 25. And he is at Alex Comas, that's C-O-M-A-S underscore nine on Twitter. We may make a show Twitter at some point, but for now, go follow us on Twitter. And we're going to be up at least once a week to start on Tuesdays or Wednesdays with a Wednesday or Thursday release um, each week. Or excuse me, Mondays or Tuesdays with a Tuesday or Wednesday release each week and uh, we may we may expand to to more pods here in the future Um, but for now come here for all your NFL college football content and folks when the hardwood comes back when when basketball really gets back because we can do some FIBA stuff we've got some uh, we've got some basketball stuff to discuss Alex and I will no doubt be going in on the NBA new york knicks fan alex i'm a boston celtics fan so we'll for sure have some things to discuss alex thanks for joining in man this was fun
1: yep mag I, I again i appreciate it. i was glad that that you gave me a call and said hey man let's let's get back to podcasting because when you and i were co-workers back in the day it was it was awesome to be podcasting with you so it's been awesome i, I know i'm rusty at it and hopefully we'll get back into gear as we go through each week
0: no, man, we're, we're, we're shaking it off already, and I'm excited to be back. And thank you so much for listening to the Behind the Box Score podcast.